The following program is a paid advertisement. The views reflected on this show are not necessarily the views of ESPN 1000. Doctor? 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 You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole on ESPN 1000. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Sports Medicine Weekly. I'm Steve Cashel, radio host of the Chicago Bulls. In a few minutes, I'll be joined by my co-host, Dr. Brian Cole, head team physician for the Chicago Bulls and sports medicine specialist and orthopedic surgeon for Midwest Orthopedics at Rush and Rush University Medical Center. This week, as we normally do, we're going to discuss a number of sports injury-related topics, including healthy ways to lose weight. Karen Malkin, our health counselor and psychology meeting coach, will talk a little bit about uh, why the body fights to regain the lost weights in individuals who lose massive amounts of weight in a short time. Very interesting stuff. Then Dr. Cole and I will talk about youth baseball and pitch counts. Did you know that the IHSA does not have a rule regarding pitch counts. Other states are trying to adopt such a rule. We'll talk a little bit about icing your son or daughter's elbow following pitching in Little League or really at any level. And then Dr. Frank Phillips will join us. He is an outstanding surgeon from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, specializing in spine, back, and neck surgery. Talk about spinal injuries in athletes, common spine injuries seen in teenage teenage athletes and competitive adult athletes, and what is minimally invasive spine surgery. So a lot to talk about here at Sports Medicine Weekly. Stay with us. Back to get it going right after this on ESPN Radio. Midwest Orthopedics at Rush is nationally recognized as a leader in comprehensive orthopedic services. As team physicians for the Chicago Bulls, Chicago White Sox, and Chicago Fire Soccer Club, their physicians understand the importance of quality care for high-performance athletes and weekend warriors. Regardless of the level of the athlete, recreational, high school, college, or even professionals, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush strives to provide the highest quality, state-of-the-art health care services. To better serve their patients, they provide expert care across five Chicagoland locations with a new location in Munster, Indiana. Their cutting-edge research, diagnosis, methods, and treatments make them the highest-ranked program in the state of Illinois by U.S. News and World Report rankings. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit them at RushOrtho.com or call 877-MD-BONES. Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, when only the best will do. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole on ESPN 1000. And we're back on the Saturday morning, Sports Medicine Weekly, Chicago's premier sports medicine program. Our producer, board operator, George Cotzerillos, our coordinating producer, Teresa Ann Seeger. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Brian Cole. You ever watch The Biggest Loser, the uh, reality television show? I've watched a few of them. I'm not sure I like it. As, I mean... I, I have watched a few, and it's, it, it sensationalizes a really bad problem, and these people always look like they're suffering, but that's just my take on it. Have you watched it before? Bits and pieces. Yeah. You know, I, I get the theme and basis of it. I mean, people yeah. trying to lose, lose massive amount of weight right. in, um, you know, seven months or, you know, six weeks or whatever it is. But um, I guess what they're finding, Dr. Cole, is that uh, those who lose massive amounts of weight in a short time have trouble. Maybe they're good for a year, right. and then they gain it all back and more. Yeah, I mean that's you know clearly that's the uh, that's the prevailing problem with the, any of these weight loss programs where there's sort of this acute intense effort. People are successful initially, but the you know the the, the recidivism, the return rate is awful, and and a year later they're back where they were, and sometimes even worse. So that's it's, it's one thing to lose it, but it's way more to actually keep it off. 
and keep things running correctly. And that's absolutely categorically the hardest thing that, that people face every day. Let's bring on our expert. She does such a wonderful job here in the uh, suburbs of Chicago and here on Sports Medicine Weekly, our health counselor and psychology of eating coach, Karen Malkin. Healthy ways to lose weight. No one knows it better, right, Karen? Good morning. Yes, I try to help people lose weight and gain energy and really create new habits that stick. Have you have you watched the, the Biggest Loser before? You know, I've seen a little bit of it, and I I did read that article that was in the New York Times, which, yeah. was, which was really you know interesting. Well, tell, yeah, tell us about. T- t- I read it as well. Tell me, you know, for our listeners, just give us a thirty-five thousand foot view of what it said. So basically, it said that all of mostly all of the um, almost all of the participants who lost a very significant amount of weight gained it all back plus some. You know, we had a, you know, over 100-pound weight loss where they would gain gain back even more. So we had a, there was a woman that had started off with, um, you know, she was at 248 pounds. Now she's 170. She was, went down to 173. Now she's up to 205. But the issue is her metabolic rate. She's now burning, you know, 440 fewer calories per day. And what's happening is, is all of their metabolisms, have changed, and so they not, have not for the not for the better. They're, no, they've, they've been down. They've the been down regularly. Yeah. yeah. And what's the, what's the explanation to the so best understanding? What happens is when when you when you calorie restrict, you know, you're putting your body in a stress response. And is, and is it starvation what, mode as well? You put your body in a starvation mode, which elicits um, a rise in cortisol, which is your fight or flight hormone, and then you have a rise in insulin, which is your fat storage hormone. Additionally, leptin, which is your hunger hormone, it's like your hunger thermostat. When you lose all that fat in your fat cells, leptin also goes down. Mm-hmm. So you're dealing with a lot of um, hormonal issues. But when, when you are putting your body in the starvation mode, you know, it's like being on a deserted island and your body's going to say, okay, he or she's only giving me this amount of calories. Hold on to fat. Yeah, muscle. you go into hibernation. It's like you go work. into hibernation almost. Exactly. Yeah. So what? So if you take that and look at the science, then what? What do you do to prevent that? You know, the average. This is. I think the average person can understand what you just said and what we're talking about. You know, it's your body adapts. It says, okay, I'm not getting the calories, and I'm just going to downregulate and slow down, and and you go into cold mode. And next, you know, metabolism drops, so you don't get the bang for your buck anymore. And then. And, and and so what do you do from uh, a nutritional point of view, an activity point of view, to keep your body, your metabolism rate the same or, or higher as you lose weight and be more efficient? Well, so there's a couple parts to that. So, you know, 98% of the people who go on diet and who lose weight gain it back within a year. And that's often because they don't let go of what put the weight on in the first place. And there's typically, you know, reasons why people have excess weight. And sometimes it's there for a very good reason. Maybe there's excess weight there to keep them safe, you know. And so understanding and embracing where you are and how that weight got there in the first place is important to know because while you're going on a, quote, diet and you're restricting some of your calories and you're losing weight, unless you let go of what put it on in the first place, it's coming back. And so those emotional triggers around what's really going on in your life, you know, your relationships, your career, your spirituality, how you're expressing yourself in your life, how you live your life, your nutrition for sure. But, 
you know, those all play a part. And so if someone's going through a divorce and they find themselves, you know, binging on ice cream at night. I don't know. Most don't of the, most of the divorced people I see have lost tons of weight. But that's oh, maybe we're hanging out with different people. Stress, that's right. yeah. <laughs> so sometimes that stress response can actually cause you to lose weight and yeah. not eat. Right. But right. oftentimes when we are in a stress response or low-level stress response, cortisol goes up, insulin goes up, signals your body to store fat and not build muscle. All right, so so, so I get all the I get the sort of um, I don't want to say intangible, but the thing that the, the things that people don't often think about. But is that enough to sort of elevate cortisol and all those other things, or is it how you lose the weight and what you do, how you balance the food that actually yeah, metabolically mean, changes it? Yes, I mean massively calorie restricting is not a healthy way to lose weight because right. it causes those hormonal issues with the whole leptin issue where their leptin levels were that were basically shot. And leptin is the way that your fat cells tell your brain that your calorie-burning thermostat is set. Leptin tells your brain that you have enough energy stored in your fat cells to burn calories at a normal metabolic rate. And all these participants completely, like, their, their leptin levels plummeted. And so they started with normal leptin levels, and by the end of the season, they had almost no leptin levels at all, which caused them to feel hungry, crave, and binge, and it was not their fault. So what I like to do with my clients is we li- I like to add in quality foods, vitamin Q, which are basically the colors, vegetables, and fruits, which naturally crowds out those cravings for the refined foods. So it's no longer a willpower and discipline. It's, it's about learning about yourself as an eater. It's about adding in nutrient-dense foods, you know, protein, double veggies if they want to lose some weight. And really focusing on the quality. You know, I start all my sessions my sessions with what's new and good. Tell me what's good this week. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I added in, you know, these amount of vegetables. I had, you know, protein shakes every morning. I'm eating breakfast now. I'm mindful. I'm slowing down. You know, I, I like, I encourage people to capitalize on the small successes. And when you can do that and you feel success, success breeds more success. Karen, great stuff. I appreciate it. We could talk a whole half hour, even more, I know, talking about uh, healthy ways to uh, to lose weight and uh, to keep it off and uh, how to change our lifestyles in a more positive direction. So thanks so much for, uh, for being with us once again here on Sports Medicine Weekly. Thank you. Karen Malkin, health counselor and psychology of eating coach, and her website, KarenMalkin.com. Stay with us. Back with more after this on ESPN Radio. I'd been having knee pain for quite some time and did what probably a lot of people do. I just ignored it and hoped it would go away. After a month, I couldn't take the pain anymore. I went to my family orthopedic. He told me that I needed physical therapy. When I received my prescription for therapy, the first thing I did was search PT companies online. I came across ATI Physical Therapy. It's close to home, has some great reviews, and when I called, they verified my insurance and scheduled me right away. No wait, everything was so easy, and the staff was great. They kept my doctor informed of my progress along the way. Honestly, I look forward to going to my appointments. ATI made me feel like my recovery was their most important priority. I'd recommend them to anyone needing physical therapy. The experience was something I'll never forget. To learn more about what it's like to be a patient at ATI Physical Therapy, visit ATIPT.com and start your journey to get back to your best today. ATIPT.com. Feeling tired, sluggish, and overweight? If you're looking to lose weight and gain energy, join us in Karen Mulkin's 14-Day Transformation Cleanse. 
you're going to absolutely love this Whole Foods cleanse. You'll feel great, lose weight, build lean muscle, improve sleep, boost metabolism, and enhance athletic performance. This VIP done-for-you cleanse comes with a 14-day transformation wellness bag containing MCT Lean Vegan Protein Blend, fat-burning MCT Lean MCT Oil, snacks, superfoods, recipes, guidelines, videos, and other surprises. You will absolutely love this program. Sign up at 14daytransformation.com. That's the numbers 14daytransformation.com or visit Karen's website at karenmalkin.com. That's K-A-R-E-N-M-A-L-K-I-N.com. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly on ESPN 1000. Back on the Saturday morning, Sports Medicine Weekly, our producer, board operator, George Hatsarillos, our coordinating producer, Teresa Ann Seeger. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Brian Cole. Dr. Cole, um, middle of a baseball season here. My boys are fully into it, the Little League season. And uh, I want to ask you on the medical side, uh, how many kids are coming in that could be candidates for Tommy John surgery? Well, you know, I think what I'm seeing more of is just sore elbows. It's, you know, we're, we're obviously we have this constant ebb and flow as the season goes on. We often see it right in the beginning of the season and then, Unfortunately, some of these kids are actually playing in multiple leagues, so they're not necessarily respecting a pitch count, assuming a pitch count is present. And, and that's not the, the be-all and end-all, but it does have potentially some role. But these kids are getting stronger, they're bigger, they're throwing harder, they're throwing faster, and the demands on them are increasing. And, uh, you know, the pitch count can matter, but uh, depending on where we are in the season, we are seeing them. And on a pretty much a weekly basis, I can tell you we're seeing a lot of sore elbows and uh, not always the Tommy John problem, but that's always the one we worry about. And we do see them on a, you know, a fairly regular basis. Uh, but a sore elbow uh, is probably the most common that we're seeing. How are you treating them? Well, you know, it, it, we're seeing, you know, they kind of break out into those who are skeletally mature versus those who are where the growth plates are closed. The growth plates where we get, you know, longitudinal growth through where we get taller and longer and there's growth plates in the elbow. So when these growth plates are open in the elbow in kids, we tend to see a different entity, sort of this 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 uh, little leaguer elbow, this baseball, this uh, youth elbow problem, which is where they get inflammation across the growth plate. It's like a tendonitis, but it's actually in the growth plate itself. And that gets treated with relative rest. It's almost like having a stress fracture. So they can be shut down relatively and they when they ramp up we make sure that their symptoms don't come back and sometimes that can take six eight weeks to get them back uh, when they're skeletally mature where the growth, growth plates are closed then we sometimes see more structural damage and that can be the the what we the tommy john problem or the ulnar collateral ligament it's the ligament that stabilizes the inner side of the elbow it's the one that has all that force in late cocking phase when the arm is over the head the shoulders rotated out or externally and there's a tremendous amount of force that gets placed on that ligament and then when the force is increased to actually throw the ball there's all that stress there and it doesn't doesn't take a whole lot of stress and if there's any associated fatigue that's when we tend to see failure isn't it interesting that most little leagues have pitch counts but when you get to the ihsa the illinois high school association they have no policy on pitch counts yeah i mean the the the, the regular season pitching rules right now in general are those who are say 7 to 18 so that put the high school uh, uh 17 excuse me 17 to 18 um that's high school range that's 105 pitches per day you know and then with a rest for you know three to four days so the fact that there is no pitch count is a is a very controversial area because we have it in little little league and and we you know and it's and it's it's heavily respected yeah i recently read that uh minnesota uh is looking at a rule that would limit juniors and seniors to 105 pitches followed by three days rest that's right that would be a better recipe for what we should do maybe nationwide right i mean that's the policy right now 
you know, so it's broken down by age groups, and you know, seventeen, eighteen is one hundred and five, and and with that with that rest, and thirteen to sixteen is ninety five pitches, and and it goes down from there. Eleven to twelve is eighty five pitches per per day. So it's and and then the biggest challenge is that these kids are not always playing in one baseball league. They they play in one club, and then they'll go play for their high school. They'll play for something else. So that happens on occasion as well. Let's talk about ice, okay? So. You said rest. I know the major league pitchers do. Does every major league pitcher near the White Sox locker yeah. room quite often yeah, as yeah. one of the team physicians for yeah. the White Sox? Does every pitcher who pitches that game ice their elbow after their? Yeah, there's you know the, after any game, uh, uh, you'll see the locker room full of guys. You know they've been in the pen throwing or they're, they've they've pitched or they've closed. They've got you know a bag of ice with cellophane around it. You know it's twenty minutes on twenty minutes. And the, you know the one challenge about the the elbow is that there's a nerve. The ulnar nerve, that funny bone nerve that's on the inside, so you got to be careful that that doesn't go numb. So you, you know that's because the, the ligament is actually not far from that nerve. So that's the one caveat. Is that what if it does go numb? You just take the ice off. I mean, it goes away, but you got to be cognizant of that because that can't happen. So, what are you suggesting for the little leaguers out there? I mean, my boys who are, you know, twelve and nine and pitching in their on their respective teams, uh, should they ever ice their elbow? Yeah, I think it's a very reasonable thing to do. Um, the max you would ever do twenty is twenty minutes, right? Okay. Um, and um, the sore elbow phenomenon is one that I think could be uh, taken care of in a lot of these young people by icing their elbow. It's just not part of the culture. You know, you throw, you play, you go back, and you do your other stuff, right? And 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 in general, I think ice would be a great thing to reduce the inflammation because with overuse comes increased blood flow. With increased blood flow, there's inflammation, and ice is probably the best. It's the it's the best anti-inflammatory we have. Ice is nice, we say. All righty, good stuff, Dr. Brian Cole. I'm Steve Cashel with Sports Medicine Weekly. Back with more of our program after this on ESPN Radio. Returning patients who suffer from cartilage defects to an active lifestyle is the goal. Prochondrix, the latest solution from Allosource, is an innovative, cost-effective, fresh cartilage allograft designed to restore cartilage and restore life. To learn more about Prochondrix or allografts, visit Prochondrix.org. That's P-R-O-C-H-O-N-D-R-I-X.org. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly on ESPN 1000. Welcome back to Sports Medicine Weekly on this Saturday morning. Net proceeds from our program, Sports Medicine Weekly, go to support orthopedic research at Rush through the liveactivenow.org fund. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Brian Cole. Dr. Cole, a lot of spine problems and injuries. Wouldn't you say in the NBA, Major League Baseball, football, and as we were discussing off air, even gymnastics, huh? Steve, you know, spine, I think, is still the number one reason that people go visit an orthopedic surgeon and even a physician in general with a, a musculoskeletal problem. So, yeah, it's pervasive. And the thing is, it affects every age group. It's not just, you know, a degenerative condition in older people, but we see it in our youth athletes. We see it in our inner linemen, low back issues. As you mentioned, gymnasts, uh, young uh, adolescents will see it. Uh, fortunately, not uh, always surgical, but can clearly knock a young person out of the game for a while unless it's properly managed. I think dangerous. I don't know why. I just think of spine injuries, and well, I think danger. because, you, know, you know, you're thinking of the catastrophic stuff. You yeah, know, paralysis. You know, exactly. But, you know, th- that's very rare, fortunately, and that's usually a high-level trauma, not not related to uh, uh, athletic or sport-related injuries. That's, you know, those are case reports. We can think about these catastrophic things that have happened in football. You remember, you know, not you know in various times guy going into a goalpost and you know paralysis but thank goodness that's that stuff is rare and uh, very far and few between let's bring on our guest dr frank phillips is from midwest orthopedics at rush he's a spine back and neck orthopedic surgeon and uh, kind of talking about spinal injuries and athletes and dr phillips thanks so much for joining us here on sports medicine weekly 
got to ask you to start off, what are the more common spine injuries seen in teenage athletes, and then how do you treat them? Yeah, so, uh, you know, the most common things we see are still everyday sort of lumbar sprain strains, uh, you know, just repetitive activities uh, hurting the muscles. Um, and those things are generally treated fairly easily with uh, course of physical therapy, anti-inflammatories. Most people will respond to sort of six weeks of conservative care and usually don't need very specialized care. The thing we see in adolescents that's uh, more concerning, more limiting, and we see this particularly in athletes that do a lot of extension activities. So, for example, volleyball players, tennis player, linemen in football, when they're growing as teenagers, there's a certain area in the spine that gets a little weak and they tend to develop stress fractures, what's called a spondylolysis. And that can be a pretty severe condition in terms of limiting function, limiting the ability to perform at a high level in their uh, sports, uh, in their athletics. Most of the time it's treated conservatively, so they have the stress fracture. If we get it early on, we tend to treat them uh, to try and get the fracture to heal so we'll usually put those kids or adolescents, teenagers in a brace. Uh, many of them with that treatment will get the uh, fracture to heal. We then rehabilitate them with physical therapy. Usually they'll get back to sports within three to six months. In the rare occasion where the fracture doesn't heal and becomes persistent and painful, occasionally we have to actually go in and do surgery and get that stress fracture to heal. And obviously that's a much longer rehabilitation process. Sometimes it takes a year to get through the whole process and return to sports. What, how, as a parent, how would you know that that's what's going on? You know, when these kids present, do they typically say, look, I just had this sudden onset of back pain? Or is it one of those things that sort of happens, they'll say, well, you know, I've been playing or doing gymnastics for the last couple of weeks. My back's just getting worse and worse. What, you know, I think that's the, the, the biggest concern is how does a parent pick up on this or even a coach? Yeah, that's a great question. And more commonly, it's a gradual onset. Seldom do patients have one event and notice intense, terrible pain and see a doctor right away. It's usually just like you described, Brian, where the patients sort of play sports, their back aches a little bit, they keep playing, they think it's a minor sprain strain, they sort of push through it, they keep going, and over a few weeks or months, the pain just becomes more and more severe and they start having trouble doing their sports, they start to have trouble working out. So it's usually more of, with a stress fracture, it's usually more of a sort of gradual onset of symptoms over weeks or months rather than one acute precipitating incident. Visiting with Dr. Frank Phillips, spine, back, neck, orthopedic surgeon from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. This is Steve Cashel with Dr. Brian Cole. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly, talking about spinal injuries in athletes. We covered them on the teenage side. Now, Dr. Phillips, tell us more about the more common spine injuries you see in competitive adult athletes. And uh, my question I have is how to avoid them. Yeah, so uh, back injuries are very common in professional sports and uh you can imagine doing the activities professional athletes do. There's a huge amount of stress on the low back and on the neck, a lot of twisting, a lot of torque that puts a lot of stress on the structures in the spine that they're really not well designed to uh, accommodate. You know, the most common things we'll see in uh, professional athletes are disc problems. So as you all know, the disc is sort of the cushioning between the bones, between the vertebra. And uh, the injuries we see can range between tears in the discs or just injuries inside the disc that often will cause a lot of back pain. 
and then at times the disc actually herniates and what happens is usually the outer envelope of the disc gets an injury or gets weak and then the middle jelly stuff leaks out of that defect in the outer envelope on the disc and then tends to push up against or pinch on a nerve in either the back or the neck and gives people radiating pain into the arm or leg. So in the leg it would be sciatica that most people are familiar with, which is basically compression on the uh, on the nerve coming from the disc that's herniated. That would be by far the most common thing we'll see in uh, in professional athletes. We've seen it in uh, basketball players who've undergone surgery for it. In the baseball pitchers particularly, we'll see it. Um, everybody's very familiar with golfers and Tiger Woods problems with lumbar discs. So that, that's a common thing we'll see. You know, in terms of prevention, the, the key is not to do uh, sudden activities involving the back, the spine, without warming up. So it's really important to stretch to uh, warm up the back and not do sudden explosive activities without first having a warm-up period uh, to kind of get the back set for the uh, more forceful activities that are going to uh, follow during, a, for example, during a game or a basketball game or a baseball game. Frank, we're lucky enough to have another minute or so, and I wanted to ask one final question. What what does the role of sort of um, the core and body weight and habitus and so forth play on the development of low back problems? Yeah, it's, it's a very important factor. I mean, the uh, muscles around the spine ex essentially act as an external uh, support or almost like an, a brace for the back. So having strong core muscles, which involves the abdominal muscles, the back muscles or the paraspinal muscles, is critical for helping protect the spine. The muscles play a crucial part in sort of dampening, the, a, a crucial role in dampening the forces that go through the spine. They help stabilize the spine, so they prevent, help prevent abnormal movements of the spine. So clearly having strong paraspinal muscles, which are the big muscles in the back or abdominal or core muscles, are very important to protecting the spine from injury. Great. And uh, finally, uh, Dr. Cole and uh, Dr. Phillips, um, we often hear about uh, minimally invasive uh, surgery, and in this case, uh, minimally invasive spine surgery. What is it exactly, Dr. Phillips? Yeah, so what it essentially involves is uh, doing the uh, same tried and uh, tested spine procedures, but doing it with a much less invasive surgical approach. So historically in the past, we've done fairly delicate work on the spine, We've kind of beaten up the muscles getting down to the spine. What minimally invasive surgery involves is essentially doing smaller incisions, but more important is really protecting the muscle envelope around the spine. So we're now able to access the spine through tubes and using a microscope and endoscopes and do exactly the same surgery we've traditionally done through these huge incisions, really beating up the muscles without, without doing any of that through these smaller tubes now. And really what that does is it expedites the recovery. So oftentimes we can do pretty major surgery fusion with screws and cages and have patients leave the hospital the next day. The recovery for the patients is much quicker. They're usually back working out within four to six weeks. Um, and that's really what minimally invasive is about. So it's really about doing tried and uh, tested operations but without the collateral damage to the muscles and important supportive structures around the spine. Terrific uh, information. Dr. Frank Phillips, 
spine, back, neck orthopedic surgeon from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. Thanks so much, uh, Dr. Phillips, for lending your expertise. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on the show. It's Sports Medicine Weekly, and we continue with more after this on ESPN Radio. The Chicago Bulls, White Sox, and DePaul Blue Demons rely on Midwest Orthopedics at Rush for advanced orthopedic treatment. So can you. We are the team physicians for these Chicago teams, and we're ready to be on your healthcare team, too. Get expert care from these regional leaders at four Chicagoland locations. Learn more at RushOrtho.com. Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, your world-class team physicians. The best athletes in the world and their medical teams have been trusting Donjoy products for over 30 years. With a goal to protect and return confidence in sport post-injury, Donjoy is the trusted leader to get and keep athletes in action. Whether it's football, basketball, soccer, volleyball, or even the official medical supplier to the U.S. ski team, always trust the global leader in sports medicine. Trust Donjoy, a product of DJOGlobal.com. At Athletico Physical Therapy, we know there is freedom from pain and you can get back to doing the things you love. Whether it's running an 8K, playing a game of tag in the yard, or walking safely to your car, pain should not slow you down. With locations throughout eight states that offer complimentary injury screens, your choice to go with our team is the smart choice. Visit athletico.com to request your complimentary injury screening and start feeling better with us today. Athletico, better for everybody. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Steve Cashel and Dr. Brian Cole on ESPN 1000. Sports Medicine Weekly has been brought to you by Athletico Physical Therapy, by Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, by Karen Malkin Health Counseling, by Integrated Orthopedics, by Ellel Source, by Donjoy Orthopedics, by MedWest, and by ATI Physical Therapy. Many thanks to our producer and board operator, George Katsourilos. Our coordinating producer is Teresa Ann Seeger. We also want to thank David Cole for managing the website and our business operations, as well as Samantha Smith from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. For Dr. Brian Cole, I'm Steve Cashel saying so long. The preceding program was a paid advertisement. The views reflected are not necessarily the views of ESPN 1000.